welcome back to Spooktober, day 18, on the Spook, on the Nerdfix. My sincerest apologies for not making a new episode on Friday or on Saturday, for I was away due to some reasons. since my ex-boyfriend Keith was murdered. Now I'm a free woman walking. The memories of what I had those years ago still haunt me to this day. Still hard to piece together what happened on that fateful night. I was released a year earlier from my two-year sentence from the mental ward. During the four years of my release, I got a new job working as a photographer. I made every minute of it. Now to an old friend named Parker Caulfield, whom I remember from middle school, and we have a one-year-old daughter named Lulu. During my time at my release, I began to take an antidepressant that a psychologist gave to me in hopes that my anxiety disappeared. For the past four months, I've been pretty normal. Though she's made fine with my husband, I was adjusting. I was an adjusting loving mother toward Lulu. Stop taking the medicine. A few months not taking my antidepressants, I began to hallucinate. My mind was going into constant insanity. So more severe, less reliable. Luckily, I was able to go back on my medication and sleep well. Still, I just need my password for what I did. I'm even afraid that the person I was who murdered Keith will come back to haunt me again. I don't even know how I would go about murdering someone and have no recollection of it. Every day I always kept feeling a slight tug from my subconscious telling me to snap again. But every time that happens, I can't dismiss it. It keeps haunting me. Yet for some reason, I felt rejuvenated after killing Keith. But for some odd reason, I want to experience it again. Why? One day while walking home from work, I felt someone's hand covering my mouth as an unknown force pulled me into the alleyway. I tried to scream until I felt a sharp pain in my side. I came to the realization I was stabbed by an unknown assailant. I quickly grabbed my pocket knife and ran after the man. Once I called up to him, I lunged at him and once again, my world turned black. I woke up finding myself under a street lamp with a mangled corpse next to me. I looked over at the corpse and then looked back at the street lamp with a blank expression on my face. What have I done? Is this deja vu all over again? I quickly got up and dragged the body into an alleyway, then carried the corpse into the dumpster and walked away. For some odd reason, I felt like I was living in complete deja vu, as if I was in the same situation that I was in for some odd years ago. 
I brush it off as I continue to walk home. The next day, the cops found the mangled corpse of a man who was badly while I was in the hospital. such Haitian servant that required such twist to tell the story. This woman was hired to take care of her son Robert. One day, Mrs. Otto supposedly witnessed her practicing black magic in their backyard and fired her. Before she left, the woman gave Robert a lifelong doll which stood three feet tall, had buttons for eyes, human hair, maybe Robert's, and was filled with straw. Dolls that resembled children were not unheard of during this time, but this one proved especially. Robert named the doll after himself and often dressed in its clothes. Robert the doll became his trustworthy companion. He took it with him on shopping trips into town. The doll had a seat at a dinner table where Robert would sneak in bites of food when his parents were cooking. Robert would even be tucked into bed with the boy at night. Soon, his innocent relationship with an estranged nature. Soon after, Robert chose to be referred to by his middle name, Jean, after being scolded by his mother. He told her that Robert was the doll's name, not his. Jean 
was often heard in his toy room having conversations with Robert. Jean would say something in his childish manner, and his responses could be heard in a much lower voice. Sometimes Jean would become very agitated, worrying the servants and his mother. She would, on occasion, burst in to find her son cowering in the corner, while Robert sat perched in the chair or on the bare bed glaring at him. This was only the beginning. Household objects would be found thrown across the room, Jean's toys turned up and mutilated, and giggling could be heard. Whenever these unusual acts took place, Jean always said, Robert did it! The boy took punishment, but always insisted that the blame was Robert's. As the mischief grew, more and more servants took their leave, as the new ones were hired. The autos relatives felt it was time to do something. With a recommendation of a great aunt, Jean's parents removed Robert from his care and placed him in a box in the attic. This is where he resided for many years. After the death of his father, Jean was built his boyhood home. He decided to live in the Victorian mansion with his new wife. Jean had become an artist and felt the house was spacious and would provide a place for him to paint. He went to the attic and dusted off his childhood toy. He became attached to the doll, despite his wife's displeasure. Jean would take the doll along with him everywhere they went. He even sat in his favorite little chair while Jean and his wife slept nearby. The turret room became Robert's domain after Mrs. Otto moved him back to the attic. The marriage, the marriage slowly became sour until Miss, Mrs. Otto supposedly went insane and died of unknown reasons. Jean's misery followed behind. Robert supposedly attacked people, sometimes locking them in the attic. People who passed by claimed to hear evil laughter coming from the turret room. For some time, Robert remained in the empty house by himself until a new family purchased the mansion and restored him. The doll was once again moved to the attic. This pleased it as much as the last time. The doll was often found throughout the house. One certain night, Robert was found at the foot of the owner's bed giggling with a kitchen knife in hand. This was enough to send them fleeing from the home. Robert was later moved to the East Martello Museum in Key West, where he sits perched in a glass box. Despite his new living quarters, the doll is believed to not have given up on his menacing ways. Visitors and employees claim that they have seen the doll move. His smile has been known to turn into a scowl. One employee cleaned Robert, turned off all the lights, and left for the night. The next day, he returned to find the lights on, Robert sitting in a different position than the night before, and a fresh layer of dust on his shoes. Some say he'll even curse you. If you want to take a picture of him, you must ask politely. He'll tilt his head in permission. However, if he doesn't, and you take the picture anyways, a curse will fall upon you, and anyone who accompany him, and anyone who accompany you to the museum. The same will happen if you make fun of him. Which is why at the museum you would see many, many, many letters apologizing to Robert, asking him to remove the curse. 
To this day, Robin remains at the East Martello Museum, and the sailor suit legends of life continuing in its menacing ways. badly done sound effects and animation and having a more realistic feel to the violence. Some have speculated that Deitch didn't like the concept behind Tom and Jerry and was pressured into making them and wanted to make people who watch his take on it feel bad for liking the concept. What many people don't know is that Deitch was originally signed on to make more than the 13 episodes the public had access to. Desperate to get out of this contract, Deitch made one more Tom and Jerry short that few have ever seen. The short was called Tom's Basement. It opened with Tom in a typical Tom and Jerry house. His owner was the fat, angry guy from the other Deitch shorts. Tom's owner seemed to seem even angrier than his other appearances. The first scene is him stomping on Tom's tail in a very realistic and painful looking way because Tom is sleeping by the basement door. The owner yells at Tom to never go down there. Tom is clearly terrified and runs away to another room. Our view stays in the room by the basement door and we see then see Jerry come out of the mouse hole. He looks truly grotesque, far more off-model than, than the other Dutch shorts. He gets an evil look on his face and follows Tom into the next room. The next few minutes are fairly formulaic. Jerry repeatedly manages to trick Tom into chasing him to the basement door a few times, but each time the owner catches him, he inflicts a painful looking injury onto Tom, which stays on him even after the scene ends. After three beatings, Tom is bruised all over bleeding a few places, and limping on a broken leg. After this, Tom starts to literally beg Jerry not to bother him anymore. He's not really talking, but he's crying and mumbling, and you can tell what he's doing by his body language. Jerry just laughs at him and pushes him back to the basement door. The owner catches Tom again, but this time goes ballistic. The camera zooms in on his face. He changes color into sorts as he yells at Tom in a much louder voice than any other sound of the cartoon. I can't post mu I can't say much of what he said, but it's definitely vicious and furious. It was then, Jerry seems to have finally decided to take pity on Tom. Jerry picks up a knife that was lying around and stabs the owner in the leg, quite graphically. Tom opens the basement door, and they carry the owner's body downstairs. There are dozens of other bodies down there, decaying, and showing signs of their violent deaths. Tom and Jerry shake hands, and it seems like they've triumphed over the serial killer. But Jerry gets an evil look on his face, and Tom says in a ghastly, deep voice,
Jerry stabs Tom, killing him, and throws his body into the pile. In the last scene, they show Jerry putting up a for sale sign on the front yard of the house, laughing, clearly plotting to do it all over again. three scary stories for this episode of Spooktober on the Nerdfix to make up for Friday and Saturday and also for today. So consider it three horror stories for the price of one. And to end this episode, whether or not you believe in the term nerd or not, keep loving what makes you, you, and stay awesome. Thank you so much for listening. This is Jay from the Nerfix, as I slowly disappear into the night.